This episode of The Table Podcast is brought to you by Southern Fusion Barbecue Sauce. You can pick up some of that spicy Southern sweetness at southernfusionbbq.com. You're listening to The Table Podcast. This is more than just a podcast. It's a place we want to have beneficial, informative, and entertaining conversations, all from a Christian worldview. So thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can join the conversation, too, by emailing us at thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com. The podcast starts in three, two. One. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us, thanks for sitting down at the table. Um, Chris, Hope, glad to have you guys with us. Um, it, today is an awesome story that I'm excited to tell because in, in a short way, y'all can't, uh, McKenna and I can't tell our story without mission, mentioning y'all. And I've wanted to have you guys on the table and uh, have you guys sit down with us. So before we get into the reason that you guys are here, um, welcome to the table. And just why don't y'all take just a couple seconds to, um, y'all going to have to move your hands off of your mouth at this point and talk. Uh, so just tell us a little bit who you are, where you're from, you know, uh, how you got here. Uh, my name is Chris Petit. Um, I'm from Bowling Springs, South Carolina, here in Spartanburg. I work for a company, um, Electrical District Distributor, Wesco Distribution, and I'm 42 years old. Okay. And I'm Hope, and um, I have grown up here in Spartanburg, and I am a kindergarten teacher, and I am 41 years old. So y'all met, let's see, I've known y'all since y'all met. Mm-hmm. I, my, my testimony uh, of when I came to know Christ, literally within about a week and a half after I came to know Jesus, I met Chris. And um, it was in the stadium at Bowling Springs. So Chris and I have been really close friends for a long time. Um, but y'all are one of those disgusting couples that dated since high school. So tell me how y'all met, like high school, all that. Well, we met in ninth grade. Um, and I did not particularly care for him. Um, <laughs> but... Um, we um, were such a nice person at that time, too. <laughs> Let me just say... <laughs> Um, but I had a friend when we were in 11th grade who was going on a date and she wanted me to go with her as a double date. And so I said, okay, well, you can ask Chris or another friend of ours to go. (laughs) (laughs) And so it ended up being Chris. And so we dated for, for a few months and then almost said a little while (laughs) for a few months. And then, um, I said, I'm just not that into you. And then um, we ended up going to the prom together, and the rest is history. So the prom, was was that the prom that I went with y'all yes. to? That was, okay, that was yes. the my junior prom. Yes. You remember the, the infamous picture? Well, that was? No, that no. would have been, that was our junior prom. Okay, all right. Yeah. I, I want to find that picture. I have The picture of you, me, and Brackett. Yeah. In the front of, uh, I think it was Julie's front yard. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mm-hmm. don't know where that picture is, but I would love to have it now. I think I have a copy of anyway, it. Anyway. All right. Um, so, so y'all met in high school, dated through college. Um, mm-hmm. at, at what point did y'all have the conversation of, okay, are we serious about this? We getting married? We had the, we had the conversation a lot of, you know, just the typical, what would it like to be married kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we ended up dating six and a half years. Um, just so that she could get out of graduate college and start teaching. Um, she taught a year before mm-hmm. I popped the question. Um, 
And so we, I just had some life circumstances I had to get in order and that kind of thing. And so we got that done, and we've been together 17 years, yeah. coming up on 18. I, I remember the day y'all got married because I felt like I was a really, really important person the weekend of y'all's marriage because I was working the beach retreat. Yep. <laughs> and got a I, personal I got a personal flight, flight. back to Spartanburg <laughs> to be in attendance for the wedding rehearsal for Chris and Hope. But um, anyway, so – Long story short here, I've known Chris and Hope for a very, very long time. They've been very good friends to 20 me. 20 plus years. 20 plus years. Um, sorry about that. I, I, Chris, I will I – Shout out to Ray Bolt. I will va- – <laughs> okay, I vow to you, Chris, <laughs> that I will do just an individual conversation with you and we'll talk. Sorry no, about good. that. We're good. Um, so uh, we've known each other for a long time. Y'all have guided me through a lot of relationships, and um, y'all have – allowed me to sleep on your couch and play a bunch of Halo and eat your food and um, be annoying and um, <laughs> shaking her head no. But um, one of the biggest, I would say one of the biggest life-changing influences uh, was for y'all, but also for me, and, and ended up influencing the adoption of Maddox with McKenna and I, was uh, watching y'all go through y'all's two adoptions. Um, so y'all... Kind of walk me through the process that led you guys to say, okay, let's start pursuing adoption. Well, we had been married about three years and had decided to start trying um, to have a baby. And, um, you know, when you get to that point in life, you just assume that it's just going to happen like it's supposed to, and you don't think you're going to encounter any problems. And so... After a year, we went to a doctor, and they sent us to a um, reproductive doctor, and we went through all the testing and um, did everything, and they um, came back and said that the only chance of us getting pregnant would be if we did in vitro fertilization. Mm -hmm. And so my first um, thought was just, well, I guess I'll never be a mom, because I knew how expensive Mm -hmm. that was. And I didn't see how we could handle that. Um, But after the um, initial shock, I started to make some phone calls and found out that um, the insurance we were on would pay for 70% um, of the process. And so we decided to move forward with that. Um, And then again... Um, very naive. I felt like, okay, well, we've told this is what will work. It'll work. We'll end up with a baby. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up getting um, 19 embryos. We had five that made it to blastocyst stage, which is um, where they feel pretty certain that, you know, when they implant these embryos, that they will grow into a baby and. Um, everything will go well. So this is all y'all's y'all's personal eggs and sperm and all yes. that. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, we went through all. The... It was all y'all's DNA. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. So we did an um, implant the very first time, and um, we implanted two embryos, and turned out that nothing ended up happening. No embryos implanted, and um, I was not pregnant. So then we had three left, so we um, went through the process again to get ready to implant, and 
Ideally, they only like to implant two mm-hmm. embryos because they don't want you to end up with multiples. And so... <laughs> Congratulations, you have quintuplets. Right. <laughs> exactly. So I told, you know, we, we discussed, you know, it didn't work the first time. Right. So I don't want to pay to have one frozen. Um, so we're going to do all three. So they said that was okay. We would do that. And so they tell you, by the way, not to take a pregnancy test when you do in vitro um and now i understand why um because after that certain point where you could possibly take pregnancy test i took one and it came back very faint so i got one of those that says either you're pregnant or you're not pregnant right so i did that one and it said pregnant so you know i am extremely excited um delusionally thinking that I am pregnant with twins and that when I go to the doctor, they're going to tell me that, oh, your numbers are so high that, you know, everything's looking good. So when I went for my follow-up appointment, you know, I told them that I'd taken a test and they were just like, okay. And I was like, why are you people not more excited? Um, So we did the blood work Mm -hmm. and found out that my levels were decreasing and not increasing Mm. um and so they considered it a chemical pregnancy because it was so early on um and then i understood why they told you not to take a pregnancy test um because it gives you a false sense of hope um potentially um that you are going to have a baby and it also gives you a false sense of excitement because she at that moment she told me right and so I'm over the moon. I called you. I called. Um, yeah, I remember. That. I, I called several people. Just, I mean, not a huge group. Just men that I knew would pray right. and that kind yeah. of thing. Just over the moon excited. And then she goes to the doctor, and the next phone call I get is, "Hey, you need to go to a compound pharmacy and get this, this, and this, and bring it home right now." Wow. Um, and I, like I said, I was at work, um, so I left, got that done, and at that moment, it turned into just. I mean, a tragedy for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and heartbreak. And so this is all even before the word adoption was brought up. Right. And Hope, I I know this is a tough topic, and I know, like, looking back on it, it, it but it's also the beginning of the story of how God turned some, uh, just a huge tragedy for both of y'all into something good. Mm-hmm. Um from being a friend, you know, um, I, I've known this story, um, but it, it's a it's a thing that y- you don't talk about a lot, and I can understand why, because of the the excitement, you know, you ever since I've known you since sixteen, seventeen years old, one of the biggest desires in your heart is to be was to be a mother, and to walk through all of this and experience this heartbreak. A young lady, I'm going to ask you to speak to the young lady that's going through that right now. What encouragement would you offer her? Um, you know, I've been able to, since we have gone through all this, um, I have been able to talk to women who are dealing with infertility and um, going through adoptions or failed adoptions. And um, one of the things that I have to tell them is that there is nothing right now that I can tell you that will make this situation any better. But when you are on the other side of it 
and you're looking at your child, whether it is through adoption or whether it is through infertility, mm. you understand why you went through the things that you went through because yeah. that child would not be here if you had not gone through those yeah. things. Yeah. And also, you know, that was a time of spiritual growth for me. Um, probably one of the most, the times of one of the most spiritual growth for me. Cause as we were going through this, Chris always said, no matter what happens, you have to promise me that you always say that God is good. Yeah. And when I was at that point, um, I, I could not honestly tell anybody that God was good at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Um, I remember sitting in church one morning and, um, the song that we were singing was, um, about God being so good. And I just sat and cried because at that moment I could not honestly say that. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, throughout the Bible, I kept looking, you know, for signs that, or not signs, but words that God would give me a child. And, and the thing that I came back to is that children are a blessing, but they're not a, they're not a definite given thing. Right. Um, and I read the story of Hannah and the story of Sarah and, um, and I saw how God had provided for them, but but at that point, I thought, well, how do I know that God's going to give me the greatest desire of my heart, which was to be a mom? Yeah. So, so Chris, with, with all of this, I know the natural male response is to what do I need to do to fix it? Yeah. So, so what, what did you do? How did you, how did you walk with hope through all this? In front of her, I was strong. I was the fixer. I did whatever needed to be done. But inside, I was broken because just like I'm that fixer guy, I'm also the guy that says that whatever whatever I – I'm the provider guy. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that wants to give give my wife whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like you said earlier, since 16, 17, her biggest desire was to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I literally could not provide. Yeah. And – um and so that was heartbreaking for me. So right. and I was living two lives, basically. In front of her, I'm, I'm strong. I'm, I'm confident. Mm-hmm. We're going to get through this. But inside, I'm breaking. Right. And so there was a couple of guys that I was able to talk to. And you could hear my voice shaking. But right. there's a couple of guys I was talking to, and they had been through the same thing. Right. And um, they were like a rock for me. Because with them, I could unload. I could just I could be who, who I needed right. to be. So I could be strong for her. And so for those guys that are, are going through the same thing, you got to have those people in your life that you can, those guys. Absolutely. That you yeah. can go and, and be real and raw, and, right. and they're not going to judge you. Because I can't tell you that I, I said, I can tell you that I said some things that I probably shouldn't have said. Right. And they didn't, they didn't judge me. They no. didn't look at me and go, ooh, Chris, you shouldn't say well, that. There were times where you called me, you were downright mad about it. Yeah, I was ticked off, yeah. and, and it was just one of those things to where I had the outlet that I needed mm-hmm. to get through it so I could be strong for my wife. Yeah. So to take a big, deep breath here, um, I, I personally, and I know I'm not the one that is to dictate the story, but I want people to know the struggle before y'all walked into the season of adoption. 
Um, because once, like you just said, Hope, once you held Sadie in your arms, and Chris too, once you held Sadie in your arms, you understood why. And and I want people to kind of, you know, I know this is y'all's story to tell, but I want people to know the struggle that y'all went to before y'all sit in that hospital in West Virginia and, and held Sadie. So... <laughs> That was a big, the infertility was, was a big kind of just up and down roller coaster. And it was just the, looking back on it, it was just kind of the beginning of the roller coaster uh, of this whole process. So where, where was it that, that y'all finally said, okay, let's, let's pursue adoption. Let's start talking about what this is going to look like. Well, actually, um, (laughs) actually, (laughs) this is where it gets fun. Okay. (laughs) Before we were even married, Chris had told me that he wanted to adopt. And I said, yeah, okay. Um, You know, that's nice in theory, um, but I want to give birth to my own children. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so then, you know, as he pressed the issue, as we dated longer and longer, I said, okay, well, we can have two biological children, and then we can look at adoption. Um. And, you know, that was my way of saying, okay, well, I get what I want, right. and then I'll give you what you want. Right. Um, and so... I can get the minivan and all these other things, and then we'll talk about a truck, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Nailed it. A vessel yoke. Um, and so, so when I was at my point of despair, um, I had some women in church who encouraged me to do a Bible study, and... Um, I just have to say her name, um, but Donna Ward was leading the Bible study, mm-hmm. and I just love Donna, mm-hmm. and she is just so intr- instrumental to ministering to women, mm-hmm. um, and even now couples. Mm-hmm. And so she was doing a Bible study on Ruth, um, and that Bible study is what turned my heart towards adoption, and you know, I felt like, you know, as we were studying Ruth, we were talking about her being on the threshing floor and how, you know, God uses the things in your life to get rid of the impurities and to get rid of the the bad things in your life to, to get you to where he wants you to be. And through learning about Ruth and all that she'd went through with finding Boaz and losing her husband and um, first and and how God was preparing her for greatness, I realized that he was allowing me to go through all that we had been through because he knew that there was a child or children, I didn't know at the time, Mm. who he had planned from the beginning to be a part of our family. And if I had not gone through all of that, and if I had not um, faced the loss that I faced, then I would have never, my heart would have never been prepared for those two children that he had already had planned for our family. Right. So when, when does the, so you, that, you know, you walk through that season and then who brings up the conversation first? Who says, you do, okay? Uh, actually, I didn't. Okay. Um, we were we were on our way to um, Greenville for breakfast or lunch or something. And we were driving down, 80, driving down 85 
and right there when you get to BMW, Hope in the car looks at me and I'm driving. She goes, what do you think about adoption? <laughs> and I'm like, and I almost wrecked right. because I was so shocked. Right. Because she was vehemently opposed to it. Right. And so for her to, to pull that 180 on me, and I was like, are you serious right now? And I said, don't play. Right. And she goes, yeah, I'm serious. Hmm. And then that's where she tells me that story that she just told you. So so when that happens, where I mean, what do y'all I mean, is it immediate that y'all contact a lawyer? Like what do y'all where do y'all go from there? Well, um, we had a friend or a couple who had they had actually had three children biologically and they felt God calling them to adopt. Mm-hmm. And so I called her and I said, Okay. So we want to go forward with this. Tell me everything you know. Um, (laughs) And so she told me um, how they started with adoption. They went to an adoption attorney in Greenville and then um, went from there. um, You pay your retainer fee and then he gets calls from adoption agencies and based on your criteria for a child, that's um, he'll call you with potential babies matches. Matches, um, and you go from there. Was this the same lawyer that we use? Yes. Okay. Yes. I really, I and and I want people to know that lawyer's name. I, okay. Ray, Ray Goodwin. Ray Godwin. Godwin. Godwin mm-hmm. Excuse me. Ray Godwin and Associates. Um, and we'll uh, I'll place all the information about uh, his agency in the show description. But um, great lawyer. Anyway, mm-hmm. carry on. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So I found out how much his retainer fee was, and it was a thousand dollars. So I talked to my friend who had just recently adopted, and um, I said, "Okay, how are we gonna?" How are we going to do this? So um, she walked me through fundraising and told me some of the things that they did. And (laughs) so. Yard sales. Yes. And our very first adoption fundraiser was um, in December of 2011. And um, my friend had told me what she had done was um, wrapping Christmas presents for people. So you buy your different paper, you buy your different ribbons, you tell people, you know, for this size present, it would be this much, and so on and so forth. Did Chris learn how to wrap paper presents at that Absolutely point? Absolutely not. <laughs> Didn't want to. <laughs> no. That was all me. He did um, the bad gifts, right? <laughs> and so. I'm a master with tissue paper. Exactly. It was amazing to me that we raised, in that one month, we raised the $1,000 retainer fee. Oh, my goodness. Um, just through wrapping presents. Um, my friend At Christmas time, too. At Christmas time, yes. Yeah. My friend that had told me about the type of fundraiser, she got me some supplies so that I didn't have to get the supplies. And, um, and then I told friends at my school, advertised on Facebook, um, yeah. and was able to wrap enough presents to meet with an attorney so the retainer happens and then starts the journey of you know putting together putting together the portfolio mm-hmm. um you put together the portfolio and you of course in the retainer conversation 
um, you lay out the stipulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and what shocked me from, you know, we shared it with our story, and I know you guys didn't have any stipulations except for newborn, right? Mm-hmm. Was that really? Mm-hmm. And newborn and healthy. Newbo- newborn and healthy. Well, and, and we also said we wanted a mixed right. child. Right. And so um, what blew me away was that Ray, I don't know if he looked at y'all funny, but he looked at McKenna and I funny, like, you know, do y'all, are y'all sure y'all want this because y'all are going to be placed pretty quick? Mm-hmm. Um, although, so, so the time from the retainer to the placement, I know there's a lot of potential birth mothers that, a lot of situations there. So when was the first uh, case or when were y'all presented as a potential adoptee couple or adoptive couple to a birth mother? Um, that was in March of 2012. Okay. So it was, it was about a year. No, oh, okay. it was a few months. It was a few months. Yeah, from okay. December of 11 right. okay. Jimmy, to March of 12. On your calendar. Okay, I'm with you. Um, and so we had from from January, because the end of January was when we were done with our um, home study. Mm-hmm. And so from from then to March, we had actually been placed with several I mean, not placed. We had been presented with mm-hmm. several um, possible matches. Possible matches, right. yes. And um, so we were matched with a birth mom in San Diego. Um, and we didn't know a whole lot except for an approximate due date, um, which was supposed to be in May, and a... And that she had not had any prenatal care, Mm. Um, but that she did not admit to doing drugs or alcohol. And so we started the process of getting to know her and Mm -hmm. her getting to know us. Um, So through that process, um, she ended up not, um, let's see, she ended up delivering the baby and not telling us at first when she delivered and Mm. um, then said, I still want you to adopt the baby. It's a boy. um, But I want to keep him for a week to nurse him because that's supposed to be good for him. And so at that point I pretty much knew and lost it um, that this adoption was not going to happen because I don't, I did not see how you could, be doing that for a week and develop that bond with that baby and decide, sure, I'm going to go ahead and give him up for yeah. adoption. Did, did your, did your sense, like, did your intuition kind of go off and, and go, all right, there's potential that this is, we're about to get hoodooed in this situation. And if, if birth mom walks through this process of keeping the baby for a week, we get to the end of that week, there's probably going to be, it's probably going to fall through like oh yeah like like once we heard that she was going to keep him for a week and nurse him i mean i knew from that moment that there was no way that she was going to still place him for adoption but also we we kept walking and i think that's a that's a significant part of the story is the no wasn't on the table yet right and so instead of us just giving up and not going through the whole process, right. 
um, we so we decided to to try to negotiate, try to talk her out of it. We were going to go and mm-hmm. visit with her with the baby as long as the baby stayed with us. We would let her pump. All those th- we we tried all these different things, mm-hmm. and and during that moment, our prayer was God just slam it mm-hmm. shut. Like yeah. we're going to walk. Yeah, but. Once you just slam the door shut, that way we don't have any questions. That we, you know, we don't have to. We want to go as far as you want to take us. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, the weekend of Mother's Day that year, right. um, that Thursday, we were doing a Chick uh, a fundraiser at Chick Fil A, mm-hmm. where people would come and eat, and we got a percentage, percentage of the proceeds, yeah. and that kind of thing. And um, at the moment, I was working at Chick Fil A, so I left work that day. Came home, took a shower, and came back for the fundraiser that night. And in the in the um, parking lot of Chick Fil A, our lawyer called and, and said that she decided to keep the baby. She was going to, right? Um, she's going to parent. Yeah, she's going to parent. Yeah. And so we've got all these people here, right, to give us money for an adoption. Everybody thinking that we're leaving that Saturday, right, to fly to San Diego to pick up our little boy. Mm-hmm. And so I had to walk in there and tell everybody uh, she decided to keep the baby. What was the crowd's reaction in that moment? On to the next one. I mean, it really was. I mean, I mean, we cried and, and people were consoling and that kind of thing. But right. you heard the, well, God's got a better plan. And you heard all those, yeah. those comments. But it, so it. What do you say? Right. You know, like that. It, you, it, you just. And, and thinking back to the, and comparing like just the what we went through there's nothing um i think the biggest consolation that mckenna had when we were walking through the process for maddox was hope not not literally the emotion hope but, but it was hope your wife because we we had moments like that not not exactly hey you've been placed the child's there that's been born you're going to be going to this location but there were times that we did say, hey, you're one of two or three couples. Birth mom wants to know X, Y, Z. Potentially going to New Mexico. Or I think San Diego was one of the areas for us, too. Um, I know that Arkansas was one. I know. So um, it hurts. Yep. It hurts. And, and I'm not making a lot of that. It is a... It's a deeper rejection than being rejected by a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and I know that's making mm-hmm. light of it, but it it it's a like it literally is a bigger than a gut punch. Well, and I'll say this, and I'll let you go. Home. Um, it's it's almost like something that you want, something that you want with all your heart, and you've been dreaming of, and you've been mm-hmm. working toward, and you're so close to putting your hands on it, mm-hmm. and it's just snapped. Yeah. It's just snatched out of your hands. Yeah. And the, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's, it's essentially a type of grief, a, a type of mourning, um, because you're mourning of what you thought what you thought you were going to get yeah. or what you had envisioned. I mean, I would sit in the nursery and rock and and just imagine myself holding a baby. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I would even, I would pull out the clothes and, and hold them and look at how tiny the baby would be. And um, yeah. it just, 
you know, it was just a sense of loss. Mm-hmm. On t- and not not being insensitive to the struggle that you've gone through before that, but I mean, it wasn't just this loss right mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. It, it's compound loss. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 going through fertilization issues. This is the first one. You're like, okay, God. Give us a break. Give us a break. Mm-hmm. We need a win. We need a win. Mm-hmm. We need a small victory. But it wasn't yet. Mm-mm. So after y'all say, you know, y'all are standing in Chick-fil-A and y'all essentially pick up your stuff and 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 keep on pressing on and knowing that God's going to bring your child how he sees fit. What what where did y'all go from there? I want to say this, in the very few moments of wisdom that I've had in our marriage, that comment, no matter what happens, God is still good, Mm. has resonated through. And as we get it further in our story, that comment is what kept us grounded. Yes, we had our, our, God, why, why are you doing this to us kind of moments. Right. But God is still good. Mm-hmm. And we're going we're gonna to live like that yeah. is what grounded us. And so that's kind of where we went is, yeah. I mean, we were hurt. Right. So so the financial loss at that point, I, there's a financial aspect, too, that I think we need to talk about as well. So yeah. y- y'all, what was the what was the loss right there? Because y'all had, had to pay retainer for the lawyer mm-hmm. and start how, paying toward the adoption. Start paying towards the adoption. Mm-hmm. Where are we all at? So... Um, fortunately, we only lost about 1500 um, through that experience because of um, our attorney being so well-versed in doing this for so many years. Mm-hmm. He saw some red flags, and so he did not allow us to put all our eggs in one basket. Yep. Um, and so he protected us so that we were very minimally impacted mm-hmm. by the loss now when i say minimally i know you think okay well fifteen hundred dollars is a big deal but when you consider the amount <laughs> yeah. of an adoption yeah that was minimally and we're, and we're going to talk about the frustrations with the amount uh, the price pricing of adoptions mm-hmm. you know kind of later on mm-hmm. um where where did that leave you hope i, I mean once the crowd went away at chick-fil-a y'all got back home and you find yourself again right here in 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 the hope portion, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but and then it just kind of falls through your hands again. What did that feel like? Um, well, I will say that I was probably more devastated once I found out that she was deciding to keep the baby and nurse him and not wanting us to come up right at that moment. Um, I think that was when I had my ultimate meltdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we found out officially that she was not going to place him, then I, I was kind of more prepared for that. Mm-hmm. But again, I was at a point to where I knew what Chris had told me, you know, that God is still good no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I was still at a place where, I didn't know if I truly believed that yet. Mm. Um, and, you know, I 
I am thankful that he, Chris, continued to push us, you know, to stay involved in church and to continue to do all the things that we had done before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think had he not, I could have um, very easily fallen off the deep end. Mm-hmm. Um, and since since I was still involved and I was still going through the motions, even though I did not have my whole heart um, mm. with God right that moment, um, I think it kept me from, it kept me from turning away from him. Mm. Yeah. So y'all then begin the process. How soon after were y'all the second round, lack mm-hmm. of a better expression, how soon were y'all placed with the the second potential birth mother? I I don't remember how soon after, honestly, but I know that we had been shown to other um, birth moms several times, or we had been contacted about different babies mm-hmm. several times between that adoption, failed adoption, and when we were matched with Sadie's birth mom. Because right. um, that... F- that happened in May, and then we were matched with Sadie's birth mom in September of 2012. Mm. So, so, okay, because y'all because y'all have gotten two situations, I'm I'm getting scenarios mixed up, and I know there's a, there's another story that that follows Elijah as well. Mm-hmm. So, so y'all are matched with Sadie's birth mom. Mm-hmm. Um, was there? A moment where once y'all were matched that that you knew it was happening and there was just this breakdown moment of thanks and gratefulness toward to God I kind of Sadie's birth mom did something that we never experienced before yeah in the fact that she in our communication with Sadie's birth mom she always referred to the baby as your baby, mm. your daughter, uh, your baby's X amount weight, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that, as as adoptive parents, just made things more comfortable for us. Right. To the point to where it, Ray, our lawyer, told us to go and take her out to dinner. Mm. So we drove up to West Virginia for a weekend and took her out to dinner and and just kind of yeah. loved on her a little bit. Right. Um, and so that relationship was fostered yeah. to to where and it and we felt a piece about it. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And so I mean there's always that because we went through a failed adoption, there's always in the back of your brain, especially for a guy, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm trying to protect her. I'm trying to not let her get so emotionally invested to where it's, it's heartbreak at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, even to the point to where right. I was told not to paint the nursery, not to make a nursery, buy all that stuff and do that after you have the baby. Right. And that's what we tried to do because we didn't want to. That's what I tried to do. Hope's pointing at me. Right. Because I don't want her to get so invested to where, because. I would be the one that had to, and I told her, right. I, I'm the one that's going to have to pick up the pieces of your heart. Right. And that kind of thing. And so we we tried to protect her right. for the most part, but. Not get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. That was horrible. 
anyway. Well, and and I too had the same feelings. Like when we met with her in October, um, and took her to dinner, like she kind of she wanted to know more of our story. So yeah. I told her basically what I have already told you. Right. Um, and I just remember sitting in the Mexican restaurant um, with her and her just weeping over our story and how um, she was so happy, one, that the child that she was giving birth to was going to have a family yeah. where she was loved and wanted so desperately. Yeah. And that, um, you know, and I think in a sense that she hated that I was having to go through all that I had been through Mm -hmm. and you know, Sadie was her ninth pregnancy and she was our age at the time. So she was in her early thirties and, um, she, um, it's crazy. It's crazy how similar mm -hmm. our birth mother's story is to y'all's first birth mother. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it is crazy and not, this isn't, I know it's not about me, but like we don't have Maddox without the, I hate to say it like this, but we don't have Maddox without th- y'all going through this either. Mm-hmm. So that this is no, this is so much more than just Hope and Chris going through a struggle. Like, you see now how mm-hmm. how God has used it all. Don't mm-hmm. want to put the, you know, the carriage before the horse here, but it, it just, this is blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, um, you know, she had um, only had custody of two of her children, um, she had also had a miscarriage, um, and then she had given one baby up for adoption, and then there was Sadie. And um, what is very neat about what God did with Sadie's story is that um, her b- birth mother um, was raped by a friend's boyfriend, mm-hmm. um, and she um, did not want the baby. But what is so God-ordained about this story, one of the many things that's God-ordained, is that um, she had um, irregular periods, and so Mm. she didn't really think anything about not having a period or being laid or anything like that. And Mm -hmm. then she realized later that she was pregnant, and she went to the doctor um, because she was just going to abort the baby. And she was 20 weeks pregnant and when she found out that she was pregnant and it was too late for her to have an abortion. Mm. And so that was when she contacted an adoption agency yeah. to um, right. place this baby up for adoption. Okay. And so y'all, y'all meet, go through the whole process of, of Sadie. When was the moment that y'all knew, like, this was, I mean, yeah, referring to it as y'all's baby, that stuff, but, like, were you still apprehensive even on the drive up there when when she went into labor? I was not. I think Chris was. I was very, I, I was not convinced that it was going to go through unless until we had baby in hand. Yeah. No, no pun intended. Just. When when we have the baby, she signs the parental rights right. paperwork. That's when I can celebrate. Yeah, and that's when I could take the 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 deep breath of yeah. we finally we finally here. Now, when when y'all get the call, um, 
when, where were y'all at? What were y'all doing when y'all got the call that, hey, she's going into labor? Well, we act, she actually had a scheduled induction, okay. um, which was great um, because... You're not driving up to West Virginia at 3 o'clock in the morning? Right, mm-hmm. right. So, or Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> or Georgia, in your case. Yeah. So um, she was planned to be induced on January 3rd. So we went up there on January 2nd. And I do have to backpedal in our story a little bit. Um, on December 27th, we had a friend of ours um, call and say, hey... How are things going with the adoption? What do you still need? And so money. <laughs> so that's what I need. I need money. <laughs> so Chris said, "Well, we actually don't." And this go, does kind of go back to money. This actually does not. I mean, we actually do not know where we're going to stay. Hmm. Um, and so she said, "Now, where are you going again?" And we told her where. And so she said, "Hmm. Well, my brother." Well, she said, "She said, let me let me call you back." Mm-hmm. Yes, and which was which was odd because she just kind of hung up the phone. She goes, I'll, "I'll call you back in a few minutes," and hangs up on me. And then, sure enough, ten minutes later, she calls me back and <laughs> says, "Hey, um, my brother's a pastor in the lower part of South Carolina, but he and his church network, yeah, has a friend that lives right where you're going, and they would love to have you stay with them." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, "Are you kidding me right now?" So this is let's see. 29, 30, 31. She's having to one. take her shoes five, off in order to do math. <laughs> five days before we're leaving to go get our baby, and we had no idea where we were going to stay. Um, and yet again, we saw God's provision, and it was just in time. I mean, it wasn't too late. It wasn't too early. It was just in time. And so we were put in contact with Mark and Ambrian in West Virginia, and mm-hmm. They are forever part of our family because mm-hmm. we um, we went up there, like I said, a day early. Um, we went up there on January second. Um, we met them for the first time in person, and, and you stayed at their house that night. And we stayed at their house that <laughs> night. And um, that night we took Sadie's birth mom to um, Olive Garden. We let her pick, and she wanted to go to Olive Garden, so we took her to dinner and um, told her we would see her again tomorrow the next day yeah um so she goes in to the i just i wanted to say this just how perfect god's timing is and Mm -hmm. and his plan yeah is mark is a pastor which is always good to have a pastor when you're going through a situation like this yeah and his wife is a doctor Mm -hmm. (laughs) so also a very good placement where first child first child living with a doctor all the questions living with so y'all live with them for for how long a couple weeks two weeks two Two weeks weeks. before y'all got cleared to bring them back home yes bring her back home excuse me um and and that's that's crazy too um because i know that 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 time is an interesting time because you're elated Mm -hmm. You're excited, you're smiling, you're sleep-deprived, you've got this little thing that cries every two or three hours wanting milk, but does a lot of sleeping, and is all cuddly and cute, and you realize that your life is forever changed. Mm-hmm. It's not just you and, you and you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm looking at Hope right now, but it's not just you and Chris anymore. Um, it's y'all three. Mm-hmm. And you you leave. It's no longer. Hey, let's just leave the house. It's <laughs> no. You got to, you know, get everybody out. 
So the the fundraising and well, no, let's let's kind of kind of walk through. Um, y'all get Sadie home, and y'all, you know, of course she starts growing and all that. What did y'all knew y'all wanted to do it again as soon as like even in the process with Sadie, or is it? Did y'all? I did. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so it was you talking Chris into it this time. Kind of? Sort of. Okay. Yeah, sort of. I'm, I wasn't opposed to it, but all right, full transparency. <laughs> Babies <laughs> and toddlers just aren't the age that I deal with well. Um, I'm more of a... But Maddox wants seven, to come see Uncle Chris. Uh, he's more than welcome to. <laughs> um but he gets to go back home. Right. Yeah. So exactly. with me, I love the interaction, the right. communication, the playing, that kind of stuff. Right. And and so that's just my personality. I love my kids. Do not hear what I'm not saying. Right. But that age is, is just a hard time for me. Right. And so as soon as we got out of that age with Sadie, I'm like, Phew. Right. I can breathe a little bit. Let's play. Let's, let's do the fun stuff kind, right. of, kind of guy. And then... I knew we were going to do it again because we always wanted to have at least two kids. Right. And the biggest joke is when we were dating, she wanted four. Um, I wanted two. She wanted to. We were going to settle on three, like you heard earlier. Right. Have two, adopt one. Right. And God said, nah, it ain't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to adopt two. Right. <laughs> and so um, so that's, that's what she's kind of alluding to is she had to kind of talk me into it, but not really talk me into it. It was the timing of it. It was negotiations. It was negotiations. <laughs> how how quick or how late are we going to do that? Right, right. So, and and, and for McKenna and I, the conversations already happened. I mean, we were literally sitting. I was sitting in the bar, and it was right as Maddox kind of started walking, and uh, I looked at her. I said, "You want to do this again?" She said, "Yeah," and we've had the conversations yeah. before that, but she was like, "I want to kind of get Maddox." A little more self-sufficient before we yep. mm-hmm. we go down that road again, and that's exactly the way it was here. Yeah. So, so you Sadie's home. How old is Sadie before y'all? I mean, do y'all immediately start? You know, Hope is a very frugal person. She's a very uh, financially minded person. She's she's very good with with numbers and money. We, she's but thrifty. anyway, she's thrifty. Yes. <laughs> um, Hope, uh, were you kind of once y'all realized? You know, hey, we want to do this again. Did you did you start honey holing money away in preparation to do do things a little bit more wiser the second time around? Well, I wish that I could say yes, <laughs> but um, but no. Um, and honestly, we started um, talking about it probably when Sadie was four, um, and it was just the the thing that was the holdup was the Oh, we got a fundraise again. Yeah. Um, are people going to still give money when we already have one child? Right. Um, yes. Uh, you know, are yeah. are they going to say, well, you've got one that you should be happy with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you people know. People said that. I actually did have someone who said that to me that, um, that I should not be asking people for money, that if I, um, mm. if I wanted to adopt, then I should be able to pay for it myself. Um, now, of course, this person was a very uneducated person about adoption. That's harsh. Who was also, yeah. who had already had three children of her own. Yeah. Um, it's still tough, though. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. 
that person has not walked a mile in your shoes. And, Absolutely and, and not. It, and it kind of it goes back to the the nature of being careful, especially around families that are built, ad- adoptive families mm-hmm. that are built this way. Yeah, they're built a little bit different, but because my son has a different DNA than me, doesn't mean that he's not my son. Mm-mm. His last name is McFarlane. You know, you can look at me all strange all you want to. Yeah, his skin's a little bit darker than mine. He's got a little more melanin, but his last name is McFarland. That is mm-hmm. my son. Yep. And I'll go to the gallows for him. Yep. I tell everybody that I come in contact with that Sadie and Elijah are my children. Yeah. You spend five minutes with us. Right. You can tell that they are a right. boutique. Period. And that and that's that's the funny thing. And God, and what that. I was going to say is, yeah, I, go ahead. But. But God chose to grow them in somebody else's belly. Right. Yeah. And, and so from from day one, we knew Sadie has, yeah. I mean, she's just like me. Yeah. We people, have the same birthday. Mm-hmm. People mean, have said that she looks like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lot, lots of people, people that don't know each other right. say don't she looks like Just a little me. darker skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool, let's quickly skim through and not making lesser of Elijah, but y'all make the decision to... Adopt again, and you're like, okay, God, this has got to be easier this time around. Mm-hmm. This has to. I mean, we, we're mm-hmm. we're professionals at we're this. Pros. We're pros. Hey, let's go. Let's do it. You start fundraising again. You start yard selling. You start doing all this other stuff, and you, you go through. Retain- Did you have to pay another retainer, or was it yes? Okay, and so you pay the retainer, and and you get to the point to where you're starting to get placed with birth mothers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so how many times, was it just the one text situation or were Uh there multiple Um, with Elijah? With Elijah's, or before we got Elijah, we were matched with a birth mom, um, out of Texas. And, um, again, we, uh, had God show up and show out and, um, we had some friends who had family in Texas and while they could not allow us to stay at their house because they were out of town. Um, they had some dear friends who have become dear family to us mm-hmm. as well, who um, let us stay with them. Right. Um, and so they, like, I flew to Texas, and Chris and Sadie drove. Yep. And so they met me at the at the airport with um, it's a boy balloons because this baby was a boy, mm-hmm. and um, it we just had. <laughs> We just had the best time. I mean, just even just meeting them for the first time. Right. Um, and they are our kind of people. Right. Yes. I mean, if, right. if they lived in, in Spartanburg, yeah. we would be the best friends. Yeah. And so um, so there were a little, there were a few things iffy about that situation. Um, I had several panic moments. Um, right. Birth mom for this baby had kind of... Um, went MIA um, for mm. the two weeks before he was born. And we um, thought, oh, no, not again. Um, and, and the funny thing was is it's the same time period that we went through with Sadie's, before Sadie's adoption. Mm-hmm. It was a March to May thing again. Mm. And um, so, but then she called me. I was at school teaching, and she called me the morning that she went into labor and said, you know, I'm in labor. Mm. I'm, I'm going to have this baby soon. So we call the, we call Ray and we're like, what should we do? Do we go out there? Do we, I mean, she called me to tell me that she was going into labor. You know, what, 
what do we do? And so we talked about it for a little bit and he decided, you know, it'll probably be best for y'all to go on out there. So again, God provided by having friends who had air miles Mm -hmm. to give me a flight out there. And, um, we, um, got out there and so i as soon as i got picked up from the airport we went straight to the hospital mm-hmm. um all while me and sadie were driving yes um found out though that the birth mom had not told the the hospital that her plan was for adoption um so when i showed up they were kind of surprised um mm. so we had to go through so all that, that. Was, that was a red, that was another red flag yeah okay. um so i um went in saw the baby this was close to midnight and um you know i asked her you know do you want me to stay do you want me to um go go stay in our house that we're staying in or you know what do you want me to do and so um she told me that i could stay so um, I stayed all night and held him um, all night and um, took care of him, fed him bottles, changed his diaper, um, rocked him, all that stuff. And so um, I told her the next morning, I said, okay, I'm going to go home, take a shower, and then I'll be back and bring you lunch. Well, um, we went to Walmart, bought some diapers and just a few things that we had not brought with us and Um, when I was on my way back to the hospital, um, she texted me and said, I don't think I can do this. And so again, talk about a punch to the stomach. Had Chris gotten there? No. So you, you were, we, Sadie and I stopped in, in Birmingham, um, again, with some friends that had friends from here that had some friends that lived in, um, he was a military, right? He was stationed in Birmingham. Right. And so we stayed, me and Sadie slept. Um, they had got us a hotel room. We walked into the hotel. They had snack basket, a big basket of snacks and food and stuff. Right. Uh, just really loved on us and took care of us. Um, and so we left the hotel the next morning, you know, trying to finish our trek to Texas. Right. And Tyler, Texas. So y'all got there. She sends that text saying, I don't think I can do this. Mm-hmm. Did you go back into the hospital? I did. Okay. Um, I went and I will be honest and, you know, some people say some people will say that this was not the right move to make. But, um, but I went in and I said, you know, I, what are you talking about? You know, like, what do you mean you don't think you can do this? Um, and so, you know, we talked for a while, and then, um, you know, I will say that if I could go back and find her again, I would tell her. Um, that I'm sorry, um, because I just point blankly said I sat here in this room and took care of this baby all night that I thought, you know, was my son. And right. why did you, what, if you knew that you couldn't do this, why did you call us to Texas? And, you know, yeah. why, why would you allow me to stay yeah. in this room all night yeah. and take care of him if you knew that you couldn't do this. Right. And um, and this is and she also knew our story from from the San Diego incidents with Sadie and everything. So she knew all that stuff too. Right. And so um so I um changed him um one last time, held him, kissed him one last time and um gave her back and gave him back to her and 
um, you know, the nurses were weeping with me and, um, you know, the friends that we were staying with, you know, wept with me and, you know, they took, they took the balloons and deflated them and hid them or threw threw them away so that I wouldn't see them when I came back to the house. And, um, just, they just took such good care of me while we were waiting for Chris to get there. Because on the, on the, the timeline of this whole journey, Mm -hmm. it was another loss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you know, I told Chris, I said, you know, we're already here. I don't want to go back home right now. I didn't want to go home and hear people say, well, right. This, this was meant to be, um, this, um, just wasn't meant to be your child. Um, you know, God's got your child in the future and I didn't didn't want to hear all that. Yeah. All well-intended comments correct, and people mean well by offering those comments of consolation, but you just don't know. You mm-hmm. don't know, like, you don't know how this is mm-hmm. because, you, you know, yeah, I, I understand now. I understand everything. And everybody's experience <clears throat> is different, and everybody reacts to that, those circumstances differently. Right. Now, they're just like in our story with yours, is there's mm-hmm. some similarities. Right. But they weren't the same. Right. Like, what you're going through. I may be able to identify with it. Right. But I can't tell you that I understand. Right. And so y'all y'all walk through the situation in Texas and I and I know from the friend perspective, y'all were y'all were out there about what, a week, week mm-hmm. and a half? A week. And and it once that news broke and you knew that y'all were gonna be coming back to South Carolina still as a family of three, y'all just needed some time not to be around. Mm-hmm. Us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's the way it is. I can yeah. I can only imagine like if that situation had happened to McKenna and I in Atlanta, we would have we would have probably bags were already packed. We would have probably went somewhere and just kind of chilled for a couple mm-hmm. days and said okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. However, it just makes the story behind Elijah more beautiful mm-hmm. because we were. Was it Thanksgiving or was it Christmas? It was Christmas. We were gathered for like a Christmas little shindig, shindig type mm-hmm. deal. And we were all sitting kind of having conversation and all this. And, I mean, it couldn't have – it was it was stupid how picturesque the moment yeah. was. Yes, it was. Because all of your friends and all mm-hmm. of your family – well, not all of your family. It was like, just our closest just friends. friends. Closest friends. Yep. And then and then Hope gets a call on herself. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna it was me. I, well, okay. I'm gonna tell the story from this point. Is that okay? Can I just tell yeah, it from sure. my perspective? Sure. Um, it's my podcast. I can do what I want to. Anyway, I'm kidding. No, this is y'all's story to tell. But but it was it was kind of gross how it all kind of transpired because you get the call on, on your cell phone and you walk into your guest bedroom, which is kind of right there. And I never answer phone calls when yeah. I have a group a group of people yeah. at my house. Yeah. Whatever's going on can wait, and I'll call them back later. Yeah. And so, Chris, well, you recognize the number, and you're like, okay, I think I may need to take this phone call. Yeah. You take the phone call, and then you all you call Hope back into the guest room, and I'm like, okay, something's going on here. There, I, I thought you all were getting ready to ask us to leave. Like, there's something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you all both walk out. And say, what do you? I, you I, I'm pretty sure we said, well, we're leaving tomorrow to have a baby. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> Surprise. Like, what? <laughs> yes. Right. And that's the that's the other interesting thing about adopting, because you have the nursery prepared, you have all this stuff prepared, but with with a with a pregnancy, 
you know, you see the progression mm-hmm. of my wife's, my wife's belly's getting bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, we know there's time coming, like mm-hmm. we're easing into, the, no, with adoption, it's like, okay, we're a family of two one day and then boom, mm-hmm. congratulations, your family well, of three. <laughs> and I'll say this, anytime you go through like a failed adoption, Ray wants, the lawyer wants us to, wants you to take some time and not be on the list. Right. Just to kind of lick your wounds get back, you know, get your head back right. Right. Mourn the loss, that right. kind of stuff. And so, I don't know, it wasn't, we called and said, you can put us back on the list. Yeah. All right. So, at that point in time, we didn't get any matches, possible matches or anything like that, I don't think. Well, we had, we had some phone calls about yeah. potential um, babies, but it just, um, all the babies that they had called us about were, um, with birth bombs that had been heavily using drugs or heavily yeah. drinking alcohol. Right. Um, and while if our either of our children had been born with something wrong with them that or a disability, not something wrong with them, right. um, then we would have gladly taken that on. Um, but I just wasn't prepared to take on to those things. Right. Um, and so we had said no to several situations. And when we got that phone call, we had not been matched. I mean, we just, we found out about Elijah and that he had been born. That was probably about nine o'clock that night. And he'd been born at 1130 that morning. And mm-hmm. um, that was the first time we'd heard about him. <laughs> wow. And so the um, the lawyer called us, said that this is a possibility. Are we interested? We said yes. Um so about eleven o'clock, I think we talked y'all, to the birth mom. Were y'all's bags packed at that point? I don't no. know. Oh gosh, we this is this was not even on the radar. No. Um, and so we talked to the birth mom. She loved us, liked us. She told her lawyers that she wanted to move move forward with us. Ray calls us about twelve o'clock, I guess, and mm-hmm. says this is pa- the same night, same, same night. night. Oh gosh, uh, um, and says. December 15th, <laughs> um, and says, all right, pack your bags. You need to be on a plane tomorrow to go to New York. And Christmas was put on hold. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everything. Just mm-hmm. scoop. Yep. That's it. Because mm-hmm. I remember y'all went and, and y'all went to New York, and it was after the heartbreak that Texas was, New York was a celebration. Like, it was cold, but it was a celebration. Mm-hmm. Well, and it and it wasn't a celebration at first. Okay. Um, I think due to the um, heartbreak that we had had in the past, right? Um, that that situation was never one that I was sure was going to go through until papers were signed. Mm. Um, because um, you know she would tell us when we could come see the baby, and mm-hmm. um, she did she did stay with him in the hospital, right? Um, Whereas we stayed with Sadie in the hospital. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was very touch and go, I felt like, until till papers were signed. Yeah. Right. And, and so there, there's kind of two things I want to get to before we kind of wrap all this up. And, and not and bringing Elijah home, like, y'all were officially a family of four. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all doing it again? Or is it probably not? Okay, Lord's gonna have to move in a way. If, if, okay, it's gonna, right. it's gonna have to be a miracle. All right, all right. So, so here's here's where all of this tragedy from 
um, fertilization issues or, or infertility, excuse me, because that's the <laughs> – Jimmy used words. Um, but infertility all the way to Elijah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard story, but it's a beautiful story mm-hmm. because you now look – Sadie's now nine. nine. Mm-hmm. Chris was just showing me a picture of Sadie six years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you've got a nine-year-old and Elijah turned three – Mm-hmm. And he's a big three-year-old. He ain't mm-hmm. no little kid. No, um, he's not. He's, a he's size large. Of a <laughs> he's the size of a typical five-year-old. Right. Um, and and what's awesome from the side of of what God has done through y'all is is y'all's adoptive story or adoption story. Um, even when we were starting ours, um, it it was almost like y'all went through. The process again with Maddox, mm-hmm. um, because I honestly I'd never have seen you light up <laughs> like that uh, when when kind of considering anything else because you you buy clothes for my child without asking me mm-hmm. like that's and I don't mind that at mm-hmm. all you buy stuff for him like like an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa would do not say anything about age <laughs> but but like well, that's it, what we are we're <coughs> We're we'll, Aunt Hope and Uncle Chris. It will come over, and they'll have a, a ball or something like, you know, we thought of Maddox at the store, and here he is. And so the the wisdom that God gave you through the tragedy and success and, and joy of y'all's adoption, adoption story um, encouraged and helped McKenna and I pace ourselves because we did experience the ups and downs of adoption. Like, we were placed two or three times before we actually got to Maddox. Um, and, you know, knowing how to navigate the fundraising. <laughs> That's a big, uh, big hot button for mm-hmm. me, and I know it is for y'all too, because you look at the price in which, and, and, and here's where we, we're going we're gonna to talk to the church a little bit. Um, you have parents that are willing, and regardless of whether it's a, a domestic adoption, a foreign adoption, or a foster adoption, mm-hmm. adoption period, mm-hmm. okay? You have parents willing to open and open up their homes, and it's almost like anytime I hear of a couple, you know, and, and McKenna says, hey, do you want to give some money to so-and-so because they're adopting? Absolutely. Let's, mm-hmm. how much, how yep. big, how big of a check can we write to them to help them out? Yeah. Because... The price tag on adoption is so stinking expensive. Unfortunately, and this is our lawyer aside, Ray is not, yes, Ray has to make a living mm-hmm. in what he does, mm-hmm. but he is not stinking, you know, taking advantage of the no, system. No, he is not. There are, there are businesses that take advantage of the adoption industry. Mm-hmm. It is an, an industry where people make dang good money. Mm-hmm. And all they say is, hey, we have a baby. And right, and and it's it's frustrating. And so, from the church's perspective, um, y'all will agree with me on this in saying um, we need to be more diligent in helping families that want to grow, mm-hmm. um, not just the biological way, but yeah. if a if a family wants to open up and adopt, mm-hmm. you know, helping them um, have conversations and where to start and all that. Maddox is. You know, I know Sadie and Elijah have been for y'all, but but the cool thing, uh, even about it, is that that when we went to our birth mother, and one of the big things that 
comforted our birth mother is that Maddox was going to grow up around Sadie and Elijah mm-hmm. and that they that that he was going to be seeing on a regular basis a mixed race family mm-hmm. from day one and he's going to be seeing that as a natural normal thing not a a abnormal or a mm-hmm. exception to the rule but yeah. he's going to know that that Uncle Hope Uncle Hope, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Aunt Hope, Uncle Chris, and Sadie and Elijah, their family, like that, yeah. that's normal. And and that comforted our birth mother, I think. Oh, yeah. Do I know that as a fact? I don't know that as a fact. But um, there's no greater way to speak to the culture in 2022, in 2020, 2021, everything that's going on, than to say, okay, um, these children matter to us so much because even in the situation, um, even with Maddox, even, you know, in the two situations with Elijah and Sadie, they were not wanted mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. And they were, their lives were, were, they tried to be terminated. You know, they tried to terminate their lives. I can't imagine this world without Maddox. Like, it's crazy. That and, and that it's cool to see how God's working through all that. Um, I want y'all, y'all been through this twice, speak lovingly to people about how to help adoptive couples and to churches on how to help adoptive couples. I think one of the things that um, I think would be helpful would be for the church to kind of set that aside as a ministry. Um, you know, at our church we have ministries that we um tithe towards like part of our tithe goes towards those ministries and so i think that it would be extremely helpful for the church to have a adoption fund quote unquote for families that are wanting to adopt and it doesn't matter if you already have kids and you want to adopt or if you don't have kids and you want to adopt like i mean if you want it to be a scholarship type program then then that's fine but i think that um i think that people have to get over the stigma of oh well they're adopting so they're asking for money um because you know we donate to the children or the teenagers who want to go mission trips on mission trips. Mm -hmm. And um, we donate to pregnancy centers in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, We donate to foster um, agencies Mm -hmm. um, in the area, people that help foster families. So why would we not want to help families that want to adopt? Right. And and it's also to me, it's hypocritical to, to say, Oh, I'm Mm pro-life and I'm not about enabling ways for people that want to take those babies and adopt those babies to have those babies. Mm-hmm. And God tells us in his word to take care of the orphans and the widows. And right. what a better way to take care of the orphans than through mm-hmm. um, through financially being able to help families that want to adopt right. children. Because God, you know, I feel like most families, um, especially um, Christ-believing families, right. they— they don't just on a whim decide, oh, let's just go adopt. Right. That has been a burden that has been placed on their hearts by God right. because God has a plan for this child that's going to be placed in their family. Right. And so um, 
She's pounding the table, y'all. She's getting passionate about this. <laughs> so if if God already has that plan in motion, then we need to be vessels that he uses to help those families get those children where they need to be. Yeah. And, I, and I'll, Jimmy, I'll be the first one to tell you, adoption, actually going through the process is not for everybody. Oh, no. Right. Um, it is a, and I hate you, everybody, I'm not called to this or I'm called to this. Mm-hmm. And it's a cop-out for, for the most part. <laughs> All right. I, I'm sorry. You got You're meddling now, much. Chris. You're meddling now. Don't step on my, listen, I like my comfortable Christian life. Don't you? No, 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 no. Don't start that with me now. It, it's a complete cop-out because we're all called. It's our job. Right. To take care of of the widows and the orphans. Right. And if you physically can't, That's, yeah. I mean, if you're on, on up in age, retirement, you've, hey, congratulations, you've raised four or five kids, ever how many kids? Yeah. But but you see a couple that desires to begin a family and they're having to go down the avenue of adoption, be careful not to assume that they're just, oh, deciding to adopt like Hope said, because yeah. um, even, even in Mina McKenna's situation, was there as much heartbreak there? No, I would say, but well, there was heartbreak. Yeah. And, and I remember when we got the call that Maddox was, we were going to be placed with the birth mother, and and she referred to in the call that Maddox was our baby, and she's taking in every text. We hung up the phone and bawled. Mm-hmm. Like I had not cried like that. I'm going to be honest with you. I had not cried like that since I lost my mother. Mm-hmm. And realizing that this was like families want to do that. And so if you have the resources to do that, and you sit here and you post on Facebook that you're pro-life and that abortion's bad and that all these other things, but you're not helping out these families, whether it be domestic, foreign, or yeah. foster adopt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it may not be finances. It may be, hey, bring a meal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is it's our job to, as believers to remove excuses. Right. If 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 my barrier or my excuse not to adopt, and I'm a young young couple, is money, then my right. job as a believer, as an older believer, right. is to support them, right, right, by writing a check mm-hmm. or sitting down with me and Hope, sitting down with them and right. telling our story, right. like we did with you and McKenna. Right. Showing you the minefields that you're walking toward, or helping you with fundraisers, like, yes, or, or showing up at five, no, four forty-five in the morning to move furniture, to move furniture out of a garage to set up for a yard sale. I I remember I was out there setting up my front yard by myself, freezing cold, yeah. and and I see Chris's F one fifty roll up in the front yard, and and I'm like, what are you doing here so early? He's like, I'm here to help. Um, those ways, the availability, right, and and the thing is. We've got to look for those op- those opportunities. Yeah. Most guys, especially, aren't going to come to another guy and say, "Hey, man, um, got this yard sale. You mind coming to help?" Right. But the thing is, he shouldn't have to. Mm. Me as a friend, as a brother in Christ, or in our case, brothers. Right. Because um, we're I, I see you as family. Right. Is I see the opportunity and I make myself available to yeah. do whatever you need done. Right. <laughs> in more ways than one. In more ways than one. <laughs> we can go down stories with that. But, um, golly, I, I, I know we can sit here and talk about the financial side of things. Um, y'all, I know 
Chris refed. I know Chris. Chris is also uh, does part time basketball refereeing a little bit on the sides. Um, so um, you know he he has done, done that. Years. Hadn't done that in years. Okay. Yeah. All right. I did. I, I, some I, just I know you were doing it. some refing in order to help out supplement while y'all were raising funds yeah. for for the adoptions. Yeah. Um, but y'all did yard sales. Oh gosh. And when it comes to us doing our yard sale. Um, and even even down to going back to what Chris was just saying, even the night that we thought Maddox was about to show up, I remember y'all dropped everything and shot over to our house to get everything in line so that we could leave because we didn't know if Maddox was coming or not. I'm not a good packer. I took the kids and Hope went to your house right. and they packed. Right, and, and, and Hope – Hope sat in the nursery, and there were some things, some loose ends in the nursery that were still needing to be fit. Like, it's that heart mm-hmm. that that it goes beyond just, just you know, oh, I've got my two kids now, I I can check out of the game because once yeah. you've done it, you want you have a heart for others that are seeking. I, I, we sat and we stood in Target the other night. And had a conversation, you know, immediately you walk into it because, you know, you talk about Maddox, we're going to tell you his story in, in the quickest form that we can, and we're going to encourage adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find those opportunities to talk about, and you can't talk about Maddox without talking about the gospel. Exactly. Um, and I know y'all can't talk about y'all's kids without talking about the gospel. And we go back to this whole thing of, okay, our our culture's gone to hell in a handbasket, mm-hmm. and and or or ever what mentality you can say, uh, you know whatever you want to say. Oh, this world. If you're complaining about it on Facebook, or or any social media, this is one way that you start to institute and implement cultural change, is through helping families and and, and encouraging and even biological families, mm-hmm. encouraging biological families, adoptive families in any way that you can to help build kingdom warriors for the cause of Christ. And basically, that takes quit sitting on the bench, right? Getting get engaged, right. getting involved, right, right. And, and I, I think that as parents, by doing that, you know, Elijah doesn't see it right now, um, but Sadie has seen it. You know, she'll right. say, "Mom, why do you have to go here, or why do you have to go there?" And right. you know, I tell her, "Baby, God, call, God does not call us to just take care of ourselves. I said, God calls us to, mm. to look for opportunities to help other people out. Right. And, and this is an opportunity that I can go help so-and-so. Um, she almost beat the table again. I did. <laughs> um, this is an opportunity that God, God has given me to be able to help whomever it is with whatever it is. And he doesn't want me just to sit back on the sidelines and, and hope somebody else does it. Right. Well, and I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of, of a conversation I had with Sadie yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took the kids down to Riverbank Zoo. Right. And um, we stopped at the Columbiana Mall, the food yeah. court, to eat lunch. Right. And that's when you and I were talking about scheduling this podcast and right. everything. And um, she goes, uh, so what are you going to do? I said, um, Jimmy wants to do a a podcast about adoption and she looked and she had this biggest grin on her face she goes are you going to be talking about me of course <laughs> and i said Sandy yeah loves that and she goes and she said i said yeah and she goes why i said because you got a heck of a story mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah yeah and that that process that thought comes to my mind too um 
What about and and this this is going to be the last question that I ask you guys, and then we'll wrap up. Playing this out, you know, Elijah's 15, 16 years old. And, of course, you guys, especially to the parents that may worry about, well, how are you going to, you know, tell the kids and all this other stuff? I mean, it's obvious. Yes. I mean, it's obvious with Sadie and Elijah, and especially with Maddox. Maddox yes. is Maddox is going to get, you know, when he can communicate and yes. he's putting his hand inside of daddy's hand, Maddox is going to be able to see that his beautiful, God-ordained, blessed, cinnamon-brown skin mm-hmm. is not like his daddy's, you know, Caucasian white skin. Mm-hmm. And y'all are going to be in the same situation. What do you say to the parents that worry about that? How, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can tell my, you know, I don't know how I would tell a kid, blah, blah, blah. We've never kept it a secret. Right. Um, when, the, when, when the time is appropriate... Um, and Sadie wants to meet her birth mom. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do anything in my power to make it happen. Right. Because that's that woman gave me and hope something that we couldn't get ourselves. Right. And it's it started um, like I found a Christian book called God Found Us Year. Um, I have a really hard time reading it without crying. Um, Say <laughs> says, Mom, are we going to read that book again? <laughs> I can hear her you can't it right cry. Um, You'll understand one day, Sadie. Yep. And so we just started out by partially reading that book until I just couldn't read anymore um, to Sadie when she was little. And then we have a book that um, has pictures of her, but in the beginning it has a picture of her birth mom and you know we've we've just said you know when she looks at that picture and says who is that it's like oh that's that's your birth mom that's whose belly you grew inside while you're growing in mommy's heart um and elijah is totally 100 percent oblivious (laughs) (laughs) about everything (laughs) Um, welcome to the world of a boy and so she was much more cognizant of it i believe it three than he right even considers being and even now like when she was four you know she'd say mommy why is why is <laughs> this is funny why is my skin darker and yours is just a little bit lighter but daddy's really white <laughs> and um she's not wrong <laughs> no. i go from white to red <laughs> And so, you know, we've talked about, you know, because remember, you didn't grow mommy's tummy, you grew in someone else's tummy. And, you know, we've told her about her ethnicity. And um, it's funny because she says, Mom, at school, there's a a teacher that um, has asked her multiple times, like, are you from Puerto Rico? She hasn't made the connection that Sadie is my daughter. Um, And so Sadie's like, nope, I'm not. That's always the fun connection too. <laughs> I, I enjoy those looks in Walmart. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know you don't look. Take you don't. You know you don't look like you, right? And then they'll look at McKenna and look back at me, and then look at Maddox. I'm like, he's my son. Leave me alone. Listen, mm-hmm. you don't want to. You don't want to go down this you road. You don't want that smoke. You don't yes. want that smoke. Yes. Um, so, guys, this story, um, and for anyone, I would say that would love to talk to Hope and Chris about their story of adoption and maybe get some wisdom or whatever there. They're completely available, and if you want to reach out to them, I'll say this. Just email um, us at thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com, and we will uh, forward that information along to them and get you all in contact. If you're wanting to talk to them about adoption, 
um, or seek out any uh, other information about where to start the process at, get some wisdom there or how to fundraise or whatever. Um, I know that there are two couples right now that were willing to talk your ear off about that, um, much less probably countless more couples. Um, I will um, link uh, the uh, website to Ray Godwin and Associates, our lawyer that we use for both of our processes, 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 um, in the uh, description of the podcast. So, um, Hope, Chris, longtime friends, y'all have known me since I was 16, 17 years old. I want y'all to thank, I want to thank y'all for, uh, I want y'all to thank you. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Thank, thank you, Chris. You. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I want to thank y'all for sitting down and, and being transparent and, and having a hard conversation. Um, and I don't say it lightly, Hope, because I know it's a hard conversation, but um, to God be the glory in all of this. And um, watch out, world, because um, three kids I know of, probably going to be four when it's all said and done, have been placed in the hands of people that desire to make great disciple makers mm-hmm. and, and fearless uh, disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through the whole situation. So, um, thanks everybody for sitting down here at the table, um, and we appreciate you giving us your ears. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Table. Any information about today's guest will be in the comments section of this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, feel free to email us, thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com. See you next week here at The Table.